Come on, we could do better than that. Let's give the Lord praise. Thank you, Keanu. <laughs> Amen. Pa Pastor Jerry said, little Keanu, then he handed up the mic, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, if you can open them up to the book of Acts, chapter 16. I'll try and be as brief as possible this morning. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. Amen. And this is what it says. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Father God, I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts and our minds, that you would prepare our hearts like soil, Lord God, and yet your word would be like seeds planted in good soil, that you would produce a crop in our lives. Help us to see who you are through the words that describe your actions through the lives of other people so that we might hear what God is saying to us. We thank you this morning. We ask this all in Jesus' name, for it's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. Now this was the place the Spirit led these men. This was the place God had brought them to. They, they would have never been in this city uh, had the Spirit not brought them there. Now, if you've ever read this story before, you kind of know the, the situation, the context here. But, but I, I can explain it to you, uh, that there were several cities that Paul and Silas passed up uh, as the Spirit was leading them. Uh, they were out doing evangelism, out doing mission work, and the Spirit was moving them along, but he prevented them from entering into some other cities. Then Paul had a dream, and in his dream he saw a man from a city called Macedonia, or a region called Macedonia, calling him to come to Macedonia. So in response to the dream that he had, they headed straight for that region. And when they arrived, they actually met two women. And I'm, I'm gonna give you the condensed version of this, this whole scenario. They met these two women. The first woman was a godly woman. Uh, they greeted her. She greeted them. Uh, she was an upstanding citizen, influential in the city, and she welcomed them into her home. It was a, it was a nice meeting. It was a good meeting. Uh, you know, in spite of the fact that his dream was of a man calling them, they met this woman there, uh, and they began to pray and meet uh, for Bible study. The second woman they met was also influential in the city. Very influential, but influential in a different way. She had a spirit that controlled her. Uh, and you may remember if you were here, uh, uh, Sister Linda uh, preached about this. This woman controlled by this spirit. And, and by this spirit, she was able to tell the future. And she would do that for people. So if you've ever wondered whether people can actually tell the future, well, here's your answer. This woman could. But it wasn't by the spirit of God. It was by some other spirit. And I encourage you to get that that CD and listen to that message. Uh, people from all throughout the region came and paid this woman a great deal of money to have their futures told by her. But she was a slave girl, so she didn't receive the money. The money she earned 
wasn't hers to keep. Her slave owners would keep the money. And they made a fortune off of this girl. And they allowed her to wander and to roam wherever she went. They'd just follow along. And wherever she went, she uh, felt moved to speak. She would speak. And she would tell people's futures. And she had no problem gaining customers, no problem generating interest. Because she would say things in people's lives, and, and it would come to pass. And so she had a following. The Bible says that she made a lot of money so that the first woman uh, was influential, so was she. The first woman was well off, so was this woman. But all, all money that you, you know, not all money is, is good money. And, uh, and, and if you've read this story, you kind of know how that ended up. Well, what Paul did eventually, he got frustrated with this woman following them around and shouting out, these are servants of the Most High God. It became frustrating to Paul. So at one point he turned around and he rebuked the spirit that was in this woman and he commanded the spirit to leave, that spirit that possessed her. And she was set free from this issue in her life. And when her slave owners realized what had happened to to the person that made them money, they were furious. So they captured Paul and Silas. They racked up charges against them that were false and they had them both thrown into prison. But before they were locked away into the prison, the magistrates and the leaders of the prison, they stripped them down to their thuntanons and out in the public and beat them mercilessly in front of, of the crowds of people that were there. And I would imagine, maybe, and, and maybe you can agree, that if they are anything like me, that at this point they begin to ask themselves, is this really the place that the Spirit brought me to? Now, now, if you can remember, if you've ever read this story, they tried to go into other cities, but the Spirit kept them. And here they are in this place, and this is what happened to them. And they might be asking, I don't know, they, it's a possibility that they could be asking, why are we here, and why is this happening to us? We pass through Phrygia and Galatia, the entire province of Asia, We passed through Mycenae, Bithynia, and Troas. And there didn't seem to be any hostility in any of those other places. We went right by. And and there was no problem. But here, we end up here in this place. How did we get here? And things aren't going the way we expected. Who knows? They might have been thinking, man, this is what we get for following the lead of the Spirit. This is what we get for trying to do the right thing. Persecution and humiliation and now incarceration. Locked up after having been beaten publicly. Verse 23 tells us that even the jailer was given specific instructions concerning these guys. And they told the jailer, hey, guard these guys carefully. And so when he heard that, he thought, man, you know what, uh, maybe, you know, and, and it might have been because if you've ever read in Acts 12, I believe it was Peter that was captured and thrown into prison. And, and at night, same thing happened where the, the prison doors kind of just opened up for him. And he walked out of prison. He was surrounded by 16 guards. He was shackled to them, he chained up, uh, uh, bound up, but miraculously God opened the prison doors and allowed him to go free. And perhaps they remembered this. This is five years later. Maybe they got wise, and because of the instructions they gave to the jailer, he put them in the inner cell of the prison. 
He wanted to make sure that they would not escape. He fastened their feet in chains. But now Paul and Silas, in this situation that they find themselves, they had reason to question whether or not this is the plan. Is this the real plan? Is this, is this going to work? They had reasons to question whether God steered them in the right direction. Hello? Whether, you know, uh, they had reasons to doubt, reasons to question, to second guess. This is what happens to us. This is what happens to me. This might happen to you. Good people, people who try their best to follow the plan of God step by step to do what God wants them to do. People in pursuit of God's plan for their lives. And, and, and many of us, we take that seriously. We take God seriously. And sometimes we end up in uncomfortable places. Sometimes it seems to take more from us than it adds to us. The place where the Spirit leads us. We're, we're, we're feeling as though we're being drained and, 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 and we can't fight on. Sometimes we find ourselves in the worst possible scenario when we think that we could, uh, maybe if we follow the Spirit and if we do everything that God is telling us to do, things are going to get better. It seems like it gets worse and worse. It definitely got worse for them. This wasn't a good place for them. All because they decided to follow what they believed to be the will of God. And I wonder if you've ever been there. Have you ever been there? I was reading Psalm 137. And in the beginning of Psalm 137, interesting psalm, it was a psalm that David wrote. At least that's what the Bible says. It says that it was a psalm of David. And, and this was hundreds of years before the captivity. David said this. He said, By the river, rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentor, tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. And his response in this song that he's singing, Psalm 137, his response to this was, how can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? In some versions, they, they interpret it, how can we sing in a strange land, in an uncomfortable place? He, he goes on to say, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. In other words, if I am not in my hometown, safe and sound in a familiar place, I don't even want to know how to play my instrument. I don't even want to sing. He says, may my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. He's saying, I can't sing in captivity. This is prophetic. This is hundreds of years before Babylon uh, had ever come to capture Israel. David was still king. He, he's the one who wrote these words. He says, but I cannot sing in captivity. I cannot sing when the world comes crashing down around me. I can't sing when I'm in the valley, when money's tight, when things are going wrong, there's arguments and conflict. When, when everything seems to fall apart at the seams, it's hard to sing in times like that. That's what David is saying. But there's a huge difference between David and Paul. A huge difference in the way that they look at their circumstances. Both of them, 
find themselves in a bind. When you look at both stories, they're both in a bind. But Paul had something David never had. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. The indwelling of the Spirit of God upon Paul made Paul so different than David that he was able to sing in his circumstances. That progressive process of change that happens in people inside of their lives, inside the life of a believer, where God by himself develops maturity that helps us overcome the issues we face. He develops holiness inside of us and he fills us with a power for service, a power to witness supernatural manifestations, warfare, come what may. You're different, you're transformed and different. And Jesus becomes more real than ever before when we are filled by the Spirit. We see what we didn't see before. And we develop a deeper passion for souls, a greater power to witness, new insights into life, new insights into God's word, where we open the word and all of a sudden it becomes what it says it is, a living word that speaks to us, that judges the intents of our hearts, that understands us. Not only are we reading it, it starts reading us and telling me about me and changing my life. When the spirit is alive inside of me, David never had that. David never had that. So when David could not sing, Paul could not help but to sing. He couldn't help but to sing because he understands the God that is able to lead him out of his circumstances. So in verse 25, the Bible says that at around midnight, right around the time when they should be crying, right around the time when they should be complaining, right around the time when they should be questioning and seeking answers as to why God has them in this situation, the Bible says that Paul started to sing. He started to sing in the dead of darkness. When people are trying to sleep, when people are trying to go to sleep to dream about being outside of the prison, walking on the, the sandy beaches, you know, dreaming about, you know, eating panduce or something. I don't know, whatever you dream about when you're in a hard, difficult situation. When people were trying to sleep, trying to escape their misery and dreams, Paul was singing. He was praying and singing to God. The Bible says that they prayed and sang hymns to God. And it's amazing, nobody tried to silence them. The Bible says that the prisoners listened to them. There are words in those songs that they sang. The Bible says that they sang hymns. Hymns are spiritual songs giving praise to God. How can you praise God in a strange land? When you understand him and his purpose, you can. There are words in those songs. There was meaning in that praise. And prisoners began to hear. And they began to associate this, this joy that these men began to, to lift to God, even in the worst of conditions, while their wounds were still bleeding, while they were locked up in this dark, damp prison. The truth that they had to declare came out in songs, in spite of what was going on around them. Man, that is heavy. That's, that's amazing to me. They sang probably, alive, alive, alive forever, you know. Lift Jesus higher, lift Jesus higher, lift him up for the world to see, All right? He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, what would he do? I will draw all men unto me. That's exactly what happened in this story. He began to sing 
their circumstances were not real. If you can imagine that. But the praise that they lifted up to God, that was real. That was real. It was so real that the earth itself testified in agreement to what they were singing about. The Bible says that there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, the prison doors flew open. And just in case people may have thought that the earthquake was a coincidence, the Bible goes on to say that even the chains that held the prisoners in their cells fell off. They all came loose. That was the truth. What they sang in their songs, that was the truth. That was the reality. How can you be captive? How can you be captive by circumstances and situations when you speak the truth in God? When you, when you say, I'm going to live by faith. I may find myself in these circumstances, but I am going to declare in song. I am going to take on this joy as if this never happened. I'm going to sing as if what I am singing is true. And the world responded. Amazing story. The doors flew open. The chains all came loose. You know, experts say that singing is good for you. You ever hear that? Yeah, they, they say it's, not only is, is it a, a natural antidepressant, and not only does it take your mind off of the troubles you face in the day and changes your mood and, and lowers your stress levels. They even say that it releases stored muscle tension when you begin to sing. But to sing spiritual songs is to declare the truth about God. It's like preaching to yourself. To sing because singing has words and words have meaning. And there's something true in spiritual songs that we need to say to ourselves. Singing is like preaching to your circumstances. It's like a taunt to the world around you to say, this is true in my life. And we sing that we are overcomers. We sing that we have been delivered. We sing about God being our overcomer, our protector, our provider. We sing about those things because those things are true. And there's no better place to sing the truth of God than in troubling times. To sing in faith changes more than just the way I feel. To sing in faith changes the world around me. That's exactly what happened in their case. To sing the truth changed the world around them. During this time, prisons were associated with death. Constant physical and psychological distress to be locked up in one of those prisons. People incarcerated today, it is miserable, but it's nothing like the prisons in those days. There were severe health issues in these prisons in that time, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. They were dark and damp, full of stench and filth that flooded the floors. And, and if you didn't have anyone to help you get along, to, to feed you, to bring you clothes, man, you are, you are stuck. David asked, how can I sing when I'm in a strange land? How can I sing when things aren't going the way they should? Not only can you sing, you are obligated to sing. Because God has done something for us. And if we recognize what God has done, we can sing about it. We can sing about it. Colossians 
says this. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Ephesians 5.15 verse 20 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 5, 11 and 12 says, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them as you sing. God hears it, you know, and, and Caesar said it earlier, as we were worshiping and singing, God is like taking, wait, what's, what's happening in Inglewood? They're usually up to no good, but not today. There's something happening in Inglewood, you know? He says, the psalmist says, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. You know, this story reminds me of a story in the Old Testament. And I promise I'll try to be brief, so I'm going to ask the, uh, the worship team to, to come this story reminds me of a story in the Old Testament, in 2 Chronicles, in chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles. There was a king who was being attacked by three other kingdoms that had gotten together to attack Israel. In 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 21, the king of Israel says this. This is what it says about him. It says, the king appointed men to sing to the Lord. In, in the face of the challenges that he was facing there as the king of Israel, the king appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And the Bible says that God fought for Israel that day. Rather than sending the army with weapons, Rather than sending the, the, you know, the, the army with tactics and strategies, trying to figure out how can we overcome the enemy, and, and many of us, we have tactics and strategies when we find ourselves in circumstances that are difficult. Rather than that, he said, you know what? We're going to send out the, the worshipers. We're going to send out those who will give praise to God. And as they went out and began to praise God and to tell the truth, this is, this is what they said. They said, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. They just sang the truth. And by singing the truth, it transformed the circumstances around them. And God fought for them that day. And he's willing to fight for you this morning. Some of us have been fighting our own battles, carrying our own burdens, burdens that are too heavy to carry. 
Man, I, I love the, the stories where Jesus heals those that have been bedridden. And, and, and it happens a couple of times when he heals people who are bedridden. And he tells them not only just to get up, but to pick up their mat. Pick up. There's something so significant in that. The, the mat that carried you for all these years. The mat that supported you all these years. The mat that you depended on. You pick it up now. Turn that thing around. Pick it up and go home. Roll it up. Take it with you. It carried you. Now it's time for you to carry it. God turned things around for these men. As they began to sing. And this morning, I, I want us to stand. I, I want us to, to sing. To sing is like, I said, it's like preaching to our circumstances. It's like declaring the truth. And in some cases, it becomes a taunt to the enemy. It becomes a taunt. This is what Isaiah said about the king of Babylon. He says that one day you will take up this taunt and he, and he tells a story, a poem, a song about the, the demise of the king, which is actually a description of Satan himself. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star. How you have fallen from heaven. How you have fallen upon a bed of worms. And the world looks at you in in. in in awe to see this is the one who, who brought low the kings, the great men and women of the world. Unbelievable. And the church will sing this song because it is the truth. What seems invincible will be overcome. And there's always singing. Even John, as he wrote about his vision in the book of Revelation, he looked and he saw people singing singing around the throne, singing in their own language, singing dressed in clothes of their own culture, all the nations and tribes of the world singing. And the angel came to him and said, hey, do you know who these people are? Do you know who these people are that are singing? And he says, I don't know, only you know. He says, these are the people that have overcome persecution. They've escaped persecution. They made it through the persecution. And what are they doing? They are singing. They are singing. So I want to challenge you to lift up a song in the midst of your circumstances. Regardless of how you feel, lift up a song, a song that declares the truth about God, a song that declares the truth about you, a song that, that it, it provides hope, that motivates, it generates thoughts of joy. Begin to sing in the face of your circumstances and watch God change the world around you. Amen. Father God, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for what you're doing in each of our lives. I thank you, Father God, that we have these examples to follow. And I pray this morning, Father God, that we would hear you, not just for what you did in the lives of others, but that we would understand that this story is a story about who you are when we are in need, when we find ourselves locked down in difficult circumstances, who you are for us, how you've obligated yourself to meet us, my God, in our time of need. And as we sing, Father God, I pray that the world again will shake for us, that the prison doors would open up for us, bondage will be released, my God. Depression would flee, Father God. Circumstances that have held us down, issues, my God, that we've struggled with, my God, will be broken as we declare the truth about God in song. 
So move in our lives, we pray, this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If the Lord has spoken to you this morning and you say, yes, that's me, come, come to the altar. Come to the altar. Sing over your children. Sing over your family. Sing over your health and your life, over your future. Sing over your family. Sing to the Lord this morning. Ask God to give you a revelation of truth, of peace. Begin to declare the truth about who God is, the truth about what God desires to do in your life, because He desires to do great things. In Jesus' name. Bring your affections up for you.